search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome to another episode of Broken by Concept, episode 73. Welcome aboard. We're here. We're live. Ready to tackle some legal Ready to go. Um, Let's start with story time, Curtis. Oh, here we go. Okay. okay. So Dive straight in. A little bit of story, you know, some story of good old uh, Curtis and I's adventures back in our esports days. Okay. Explaining this jersey I'm wearing here. Oh, yeah. So, uh, this is from a Turkish right. team, super massive. So I'm gonna take you guys back. It's 2018. We uh we went to Germany for the MSI Midseason Invitational 2018. We were the number one team in our region. We won a grueling best of five series. We reverse swept to get there versus the Chiefs. We boot camped in London. We went to Germany for MSI. We were in the LEC Studios, which was really cool. I was really yeah, excited. That was cool. Yeah. Um. Last day of the... So our first day goes well. Our second day of the event doesn't go so well. This is the plane, so this is the first stage. Yep. It gets to the point where we know we can't make it out of our group, Supermassive, which was the team. They were just going to 100% make it out. I think they were 5-0. and We were tied with Brazil at the time. Supermassive trolled the game by picking fun picks because they already made it out to the group, which meant Brazil got a free, basically a free win. Um, and then we were to play next. And if we were to win that game and Brazil should have lost that game theoretically because Supermassive, if they tried, they should have won. And then we would have had higher place in and then we would have got more prize money. Yeah, by right? far. Yeah. I, look, I looked it up. It was only like, Four thousand dollars, or right. whatever, you know, but it's still something. You well, know? it's like it, it impacts something. Yeah, yeah, it impacts something, right? And we were like, you know, pretty upset about that, especially. No, but our, but didn't they do this two years in a row? I thought the context was that they did. Remember, Jono said that they did it in twenty seventeen as well, didn't they? Yeah, I think that it didn't matter though. Like this time, it mattered. But they did it. They had done it in the in past. past. They trolled, and it did. It did impact the standings a little bit yeah yeah i think so i can't remember yeah, yeah. specifically the 2018 right Versailles, Berlin. Yeah, 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 yeah. so um you know we're quite upset about that all that sort of stuff because um, well, we talk you talk to the people you talk to people in the teams when you're there yeah that's right yeah. you know you, you sort of mingle a little bit i mean very small talk stuff it's you know, like you're, you're in like one hotel together yeah so like you're, all your rooms and training rooms are like right yeah. next to each other yeah so then brazil places higher than us this was kaboom esports i think it was at the time and then we get $5,000 less prize money. Yep. And then um, comes to Worlds. We qualify again. That was our split where we went completely undefeated. That was our best split yep. ever. We think that's our best team. Yep. That was with uh, King and Shern and Cupcake and Triple. Yep. And Biopanther. And then um, we get a knock on our door at the practice room. And then we see Supermassive there. I think it was just the manager and was it a player as well? I think it was... I can't remember. I can't remember. I think you were there. Well, I wasn't there. I remember it was the, the, the manager dude. Yeah, I think it was I don't remember. Dude. I think it was just by himself. Yeah. 
comes with us with a, a present and we're like what's going on here you know we, like, we weren't expecting anything we just thought that you know they didn't care about us they're like they're yeah. super massive they're like the best playing team in and America. they were huge they're a big org yeah they're they a huge. massive org like, i mean look at Turkey. the sponsors on this thing man they got like turkish airlines i mean they got nike coca-cola yeah. carl's jr yeah turkish airlines it's pretty insane so they come and then they have like a little letter for us apologizing for what they did at the msi and then they gave us um all these jerseys as presents. You give everyone jerseys, right? Yeah. And like maybe, I think a little plushies. I think something the, else. Like little plushies. Yeah, something. it was something else. Was it a scarf or something? Some scarves, yeah. Scarves, scarves and some jerseys. That's some interesting merch. That was great. And unfortunately, that didn't cover the $4,000 that we no. lost. It wasn't $4,000 <laughs> worth of jerseys that we could resell. And they're really comfortable jerseys and I wear You've them. You wore it for I wear them. Yeah. Mine doesn't even fit me anymore. Yeah, yeah I don't think yours fits you. Yeah. <laughs> And, I, and we got, so I actually brought, I had like six, I remember. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I still have like three of them. Because so the, the players probably didn't want them. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> they'll piss, right? Yeah. It's like, wow, well, I'm never going to yeah. wear this, right? Yeah. But they're actually really comfortable. So yeah. There you go. You it's can train in it. It's like a gym shirt. Yeah. It's perfect gym shirt, I think. Yeah. Because it's really like, wow, it's perfect for summer. It's yeah. Really it's like, like a, it's like, yeah, it's like those, that polyester. Polyester, is it? Yeah. yeah. So they Memories, go. man. Story time. Trip down memory lane. Trip down memory lane. I mean, talking about worlds, did you, so you watch worlds, right? All the yeah, so the semifinals recently. So, by the way, we're going to talk a little bit about um, worlds again. This is going to be less of like this is not really about worlds from like a. This is more about the games themselves, like the in-game stuff specifically, right? And for people who haven't seen, this is spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen the T one versus Dan one best of five semifinal. Uh, pause it. Watch it, or if you don't care, if you were getting the the results spoiled, then that's okay. So, um, what do you want to talk, talk about this best of five, Nathan? This was the SKT Dam One Gaming best of five. Went to five games. Is it fair to say this is one of the best series of League of Legends we've witnessed in terms of level of play? In terms of level of play, I would say it's the, it's one of the greatest best of fives of all time. In terms of hype and in terms of like the way it played out, I think the only one in my mind that matches it, for me anyway, was the SKT Samsung Worlds Game 5. Because I distinctly remember um, Ruler getting caught out and then SKT winning. He was playing Jin. I remember specifically. And he walked up. He got caught out. And then SKT won. And then they won Worlds that year. Um, I think that would have... And, and I think that would have had to be the greatest of all time for me. That's number one for you? Best of five, yeah. What about the best the, of five with yeah. the Faker Z thing? That was the SK finals in 2013? I don't, I don't really know much about that. I, I wasn't really following LCK. We weren't really that, yeah. So. yeah. Or OGN. I think it was called OGN back then, right? OGN, yeah. Um, but this was, it was, it was one of the best, it was, it was fantastic. Was inc- uh, the level I, play was I, unbelievable. I just want to highlight some, some statistics that I was seeing. Okay. Uh, game one, um, I never know how to pronounce T1's ADC's name, is it? Gumiushi. Gumiushi. Um, he had like 280 CS and they're like behind yeah. at 25 minutes. Yeah. Okay. The CS numbers were absolutely incredible. Yeah. Across the board. Showmaker LeBlanc, 170 CS at 15 minutes. Okay. Can you explain to me a, a LeBlanc with a head the hot clock CS you've seen before? Yeah, I mean it very rarely happens. But but I think for me that that his LeBlanc was a 
It's just flawless. Yeah. I mean, there's very little, like, and I said this, we had a chat with 610 this morning about Showmaker and... Um, I love that video you sent me, the Showmaker video. Which one was this one? Did you send it to me? Oh, yeah, the humor, the him versus humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> like, you know, I actually showed it in my review session, even though it's a mid thing in yeah. my jungle, I said, because some guy, I think one of the reviews, he started like missing some skill shots mm. and stuff. And mm. I was like, like, if we really just, you know, we can go about theory and path and all that sort of stuff. Like, if you just look at this, this guy just hits his So to give shots. a bit of context, there was a clip floating around. For, it was like a pro view of Showmaker vs. Humanoid from Mad Lions. Um, and it was like the first three minutes of the lane phase or something. And it first, had like a little counter of every skill shot. So he it was get. a Syndra v. Oriana, which is a hardcore skill matchup. Yeah. Um, and he just like hit every, I think it was like six out of seven Qs, forced Humanoid out of lane, forced his TP, and all because he forced his TP, he got like a, he got a, a Showmaker got a better reset and then was able to TP bot, get a kill. Just all that, just 1v1. This is me- mechanical outplay, micro outplay. Just he's better than a huge advantage. And I sure wanted to show as an example. It's like, there's not team play. Yeah, there's. <laughs> if, if you just hit your skill shots, guys, you put yourself in a pretty good position. You know, yes. you're going to win a game of League of Legends. Yeah. This is why I say the early lane matters so much. Yeah. And this is what people also don't understand. And even at the highest level of play, this is not even a team diff. This is a world. This mm. is still yeah, an individual. The this in the is world. still an individual difference. This isn't. The game was over, or like borderline, not over, but it was a huge advantage to to damn one just off lane first five minutes of the game oh the game's over uh, the game's basically yeah at that level it it basically is over which is incredible and I I love that message such an important message I think just be like you know like especially you know with coaching 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 content and macro it's like guys just if we hit our scale shots I mean obviously there's there's, well you gotta dodge their scale shots hit my scale shots shots. obviously (laughs) there's like levels to it right you know and it's like you know obviously what we're seeing it's not as that simple but, like, it really just simplifies things a bit. It's like, you know, this is the Game of League Legends still. Yep. Hitting your abilities more than the enemy team equals you win. Oh, you have a, a significant lead. You have a significant, significant, significant lead, lead right? All series, the kills were so low, right? But it wasn't in terms of, like, there wasn't fighting. There was fighting happening, but people would always, like, Everyone just survive. just survive. Like, that's really high-level gameplay. Like, that's, like, you know when you play a solo queue game where it's, like, back and forth, but... No one's dying. Like, those are really, like, stressful games, like, in my eyes. There was literally seven... In the last game, there was seven kills at 28 minutes. Unbelievable, right? And the game just exploded off one Baron fight. And what, what people don't... And this is the thing. Uh, if anyone had just the, the time and they wanted, they wanted a fun little activity for a little bit of money, if they got ProView and they were to watch Faker play Rise into Showmaker's LeBlanc... Hmm. How much pressure was being exerted on him as an immobile mage into Showmaker's LeBlanc when Canyon was constantly hovering, everyone's having no vision? His threat assessment is unbelievable. Like it is out of this world. Like how good and, and, and when there's so little deaths, we always assume that nothing's happening. But the way I viewed each and every second of that game from every lane, everyone was walking on eggshells. There was so much pressure being exerted. Just fog of war, the classic Andy cupcake fog warring was going on twenty four seven. One misstep, one misstep, you're just dead. One one and, and Faker getting hit by one train, he was dead. But he was just dodging chains, mm. trying to match. He 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 played out of his his rise was out of this world. Mm. Like it was incredible to watch. And and when I was watching, like I felt so nervous watching each and every 
part of those games. I can't even begin to imagine what it felt like to play those games. Especially going through a best of five series, the mental fortitude is unbelievable in something like that. And and, and this is what I would love to do. Like, I, if, I ha- if, if we could make content on ProView, I would love to highlight... Like, you know, we talk a lot about threat. That game, if I were to, like, use a term to, to, to really mm. describe what that entire series was all about, it was it was perceived threat. Canyon was beautifully hovering on one side, reset out of vision, go to the other side. Um, clearing vision in one area, not being able to walk up there, walking that tightrope. It was all about threat. And if you were to watch it from some... Try and put your shoes in, what it would feel like to be in that situation with very limited... in very limited information being in a, especially being in a mobile mage those games where they were giving showmaker leblanc it, it it was it was mind-boggling it was really and even in game five when you watch um gumiyushi i think he was playing felios in game five how he was like posturing so aggressively against like a zoe and all these champions that were throwing skill zigs a zoe throwing all these skill shots at him but he was like just walking up <laughs> just trusting his his it just because it's so important if he doesn't walk up and get pressure off that mid wave they can't contest That's but right. he was yeah. he had to he it was like life or death, death yeah. in those situations for skt in many of these games it was like just mechanics they had to trust their mechanics to win out the situation there was one as well i think it was in game three where there was a constant trading side to the map. Like SKT always, were, or they were really good at trading sides of the map. Did you notice that? Like in the in the series, how like they always had to, they were good at trading off things. And there was this one moment where um, Faker on Rise was hovering his top laner, and then he TP'd back onto the other side of the map, and he knew that he had to like it was like a one v two scenario, and he like walked up. I think he was versing a Javan LeBlanc, I, I believe, and he he perfectly. It, like he cleared the wave he pushed his limits and cleared the wave and prevented them from stacking the wave into getting that tower and if he got hit by the eq or if he got hit by the single chain he was dead and then they lose that tower they probably honestly like they that mom would have like ran over that game mm. but he just trusted himself and he's mm. like i'm gonna create a lead for my team we're gonna lose this game if i don't and he walked that tightrope avoided those abilities chatted up and just i'm like wow and no one even t- spoke about it but i to, to you don't people don't understand how difficult that would have been to that decision and how little room there was for error there it was it reminds you of kind of like f1 drivers how like they're on that they're trying to find that perfect around the corner yeah that like the perfect amount of acceleration without sliding out it's like that that little 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 mm. minuscule that's like it's like that's the level they were playing at and it was unbelievable to watch that one of the most entertaining series i've, I've ever seen yeah Highly recommend giving it a watch. Yeah, you also were t- saying that you're talking like it's crazy to watch people play pilot these champions that are doing everything correct. Yeah, six ten made a comment in the MLA this morning to me that I, I, I agree with, which was when you watch Canyon and Showmaker specifically play the game. When you watch their skirmishing and fights, they play skirmishes and fights like without exaggeration flawlessly. And you know when we play team fights, everyone plays team fights and skirmishes. You always you can look at the review and be like, "Oh, I could have played that better. I could have done this. I could have done that." You can literally go back and look at it, and there is nothing they could have done better. But it's not just once; it's every single fight, every mm. single skirmish is played exactly like if I were to sit here, like in hindsight with my coffee, like a Reddit analyst, and be like, "Okay, you should do this, 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 this. Execute <laughs> this. Throw your skills here. Hit this person." He does that. Yeah. <laughs> he does that it, on the on the world stage when it really matters. 
again and again and again. Because there is, I mean, the best players as well, they stuff up that one time, you know, they, they could be doing that level, but the fact is that there's just no... There's no room for error. No, no, no stuff up. No stuff ups. And, and, and this is the thing, Kana on SKT, you know, I was very critical of him in that game, but Kana, right? So he's the top laner for SKT. He, he looked outclassed, but when we say outclassed, it's very, very small differences between him. Like, we're talking, okay, two players. Let's just compare Kana versus Showmaker. The difference between Kana and Showmaker, it's like in that one scenario where, like, he could have dodged that one ability and doesn't have to blow flash. It's like that. But it's like many, many, many moments, like these mini mo- miniature moments within the game. Like, you can see that he's, like, faltering. He's making, like, those minuscule mistakes that do add up. And it's that one little wasted ult, that one missolecule, that one mispositioning. It's like those little mistakes. That's the difference. That's just a difference. Showmaker doesn't make those errors. Kana does. And Kana looked outclassed. He was the only person I feel like in that entire thing, like that game. He just genuinely outclassed. He just genuinely, he just wasn't on that level. Like yeah. he was that little, he was that notch below, mm. which is still in every other region, the best of the best. Yeah. But at, when we're talking with these players of this caliber, it's just a different ball game, mm. you know? And in my mind, Damwon are the greatest. They look like the greatest team ever. Like, just in terms of co- coordination, flawless, like how they play out their comps. Beautiful League of Legends. And they will confidently play. The, like, they pick, like, I remember game one, LeBlanc, Lee Sin, just flawless. Just, mm, just mm, beautiful. Mm. Standard League of Legends. Mm. Nothing fancy, really. Just mechanically played flawlessly. But if they don't get, if they don't land that chain, they miss that gank, they lose that game. That's right. But they, they that's the they, thing that's very easy you know? to, to gloss over, you know? And, and I, so I made a video on Canyon's solo queue mm. when he went to EU West. He's a prodigy, by the way. Those two players are prodigies amongst prodigies. Those two players specifically are like the perfect combination of hard work, talent, and like just determination. It's like everything. Those mm. two players. Mm. In this video of Canyon, I, um, I had like four key lessons from the games. In this first game, he specifically played. He was playing Lee Sin. Uh, they were 10k gold down at one point. And I just showed just every situation in the game. And he never, not once, breaks the game losing play. Never. In his solo queue games. I mean, not, I mean, he obviously probably does eventually. But this one game specifically, just sort of just showing. Even from behind. <laughs> even when he's 10,000 gold, 10, gold down, he's... Like the the message was like he's comfortable losing this game if there's no opportunity that presents itself. Yeah, he will but, never uh, make but, a play that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's incredible. And and like that's such a, a really important lesson. I was sort of showing it's like guys, this is you just lose it. He'll just lose it. He, he was versing owner in that game as well. Oh really? It's like he's versing random US challenger players. Wow. You know, so it's like and I think there was some other other. I think it was humor or something at the time as well. So he's versing very good players still. Yeah. yeah. Ten thousand gold down doesn't make the game lose a mistake. <laughs> Finds one pick on like pick. a Moomoo, like warding for Baron. Bam, they turn the game. Bam, they win the game. Wow. But he would never have been in that and, position. And the poise that that would take to make those sorts of... But the crazy is that he, well. he's, he's not at his level of focus. Is He would not be. He's just a solo game. Yeah, that's his that's default. That's his default. That's his standard, which is unbelievable, dude. If that's, that's his what default. His default that's is it, imagine what he is on the world stage. And yeah. he does play yeah. on the world stage. He looks like a cut above. Yeah. You know, and, and I want to give props to Faker. Like, I think Faker is one of the most inspiring figures in esports mm. ever. And nice. I don't think you can. Even if Showmaker does, I think Showmaker could 
quite easily win more world championships. He'd have to play it for another six years or so. But but Faker is the fact that he has been around for so long and so many different teammates, and he's playing such high level League of Legends Mm. at that age. So many, you've gone through everything with the same organization. He's the goat. Like he is the goat. Mm. Like Faker is undisputed. It is. He's undisputed goat. And in a way, like even if Showmaker does go on to become better, he's still gonna be. It's kind of like the Kobe Bryant. It's kind of like Michael Jordan is um, Faker, mm. and then Kobe Bryant. Even though he's a goat in his own right, it's still that's still my. He's still following Michael Jordan's footsteps. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like yeah. he it's like, from it's like the Shacks of the day, all that sort of stuff. Like all those players that sort of came. And then after. there's the Michael Jordan, yeah. and he's on it like a figure of his own. Yeah. And 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 we always talk about. We spoke about this in the last episode. Time is a true test of success. Faker to be operating at that level and lead a team of rookies like that and be the best performing member, in my opinion, Faker played exceptional mm. League of Legends. Yeah, mm. he made little mistakes here and there, but, um, you know, dealing with Canyon, that jungle, like the jungle difference as well and things like that, like he went above and beyond. And you could see he was really playing to win. Like he made game-winning plays. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's just uh, unbelievable to me. Mm. And remember, he's getting the narrative. He's getting older, but guys, look at his. He's level getting better. He's getting, he's better. getting better. <laughs> he breaks the narrative, and you know, yeah. people just say, you know, he's an anomaly, but he proves the point. Okay, I reckon Showmaker could make, like, may, maybe because remember before Michael Jordan, there was the Larry Birds and yeah. all that sort of stuff, right? If he was to win three worlds in a row. Get in there. Still not enough Still for, not, for but Faker. It, and then, like, maybe, like, he has, like, two bad years and then wins three years and worry. Like, then you would probably... No, so so Showmaker would would have to... It's not even about... For me, it's not even about how many worlds you win. I mean, that's about... You've got to win a lot. You've got to win at least... You've got to win at least, what, three worlds? Faker's won three. Three, right? Yeah. Not in a row, but three across time. He yeah. won season three. Season four, he wasn't there. Season five... They won, yep. And, and then season six. Yeah. Because I remember they lost to Samsung in one of them, didn't they? Yeah. Was that season seven? I don't know. Anyway, I don't so I think they've won three, right? Yeah. And so um, he would have to win three, a minimum. If they do it in a row, that's even more impressive. Mm. But then he would have to stay around, even if he doesn't, like, you would have, have to win to have LCK again. Because Faker just continues to win LCK, even when he, like, didn't win Wells. Like, they were still winning LCK and things like that, you know? So he would have to win LCK maybe once or twice more and then be around, then maybe come back to Worlds and have a really great performance. Like, maybe make it to semis again. Like, he would have to be around for a long period of time. Because time, again, I feel like time is the thing that makes you the greatest. That's right. Or, like, the GOAT, you know? A GOAT. So time will tell. But, look, I highly recommend... Watching that series. Giving it a watch. Even if you're not a fan of esports, just from a League of Legends perspective, it's just bloody beautiful. Really, really beautiful. And in terms of, like, people like, you know, what can I learn from this? It's like... In reply to your solo games, you know, not not much, you know, no. almost nothing. It's not even a, for learning. It's, it's more not. just a marvel at like beauty. Yeah. That's what this is. What amazing League of Legends, this is amazing what, teamwork, amazing co- coordination. Looks this is like. the peak of performance. Like yeah. just a marvel at peak performance. Really, mm. it's kind of like when you watch like when I when I was tuning into the Olympics. I don't know jack shit about weightlifting, <laughs> yeah. but like I could just marvel at like the. This I can see the good. work and the dedication, yeah. the 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 pursuit of mastery. That mm. it's just it's so beautiful to watch. All right, moving on here, Curtis. Playing from behind. I think okay. we've covered this on the podcast before, but I keep hearing this question pop up, and I sort of want... I Hopefully, we like clip this segment, okay. ideally, and put it on our Clips channel. Okay. Um, people ask, 
how do I play from behind? Um, and I want to get your thoughts. So this is my my comment, most common response. Um, no general advice will help unless I look at specifics for that. Something I don't want you to really focus on because I would rather you think about getting how to get a lead and then we can work. From no, it. let's first talk about, so what, so is this people from you sold to? They, yeah. they say to you, what do they say specifically? YouTube comments. Literally, that's their general question. How do I play from behind? Or with this champion. Okay, specifically what I was asked was, was champs like, okay, I guess I guess there was champs, so Hecarim and Graves. Okay. And then Marius was, unfortunately, these type of champions, they, they can't fundamentally be good from behind because they don't have any reliable CC. And they're like Gray specifically, he's damaged, pure damage. If you're behind, you don't have tools to get back okay, into the game. So the way I would tackle this, I think there are fundamentals that you can apply to to like playing from behind. Of course. But they they the way I view it, because in league the one of the okay, one of the mantras, Nathan, of the BBC that I really want to push harder is League is a game of nuance and gray areas. And nothing is simple as black and white. And um, what what I feel is, though, when it comes to lo- like playing from behind, there are like these say, let's say there's five or four or five general like kind of like principles that you can apply. But the champ that you play and the game that you're in will determine. There'll be different degrees of which one you would uh, you would emphasize. So, for example, like you said, with Hecarim and Graves. You're not just going to probably sit, or as Hecarim specifically, you can't just like lose gracefully in a way. You're not just going to sit there and then like farm and lose gracefully in a lot of, in, I mean, again, that's it could even be a generalization because you might be ahead still. You could be behind, but your team might be ahead and you can lose gracefully and just be that, like just farm and not be useless. But then there are going to be other games where you're losing and everyone, everyone else is behind and you don't want to sit there and farm up. You probably want to do something creative and do something chaotic to get back into the game right so those are two that's a two different examples of playing from behind yeah. sometimes you can do fun now that i think of it there's like i think that when people approach that they have a different idea of what behind like i think when they ask that question they, they they're trying to find an answer to games that are probably like unwinnable but there's certain levels of behind because there is probably moments in the game where you can get back into mm. the game but that's so specific. Like it's so like, specific. Like, like, let's, yeah. let, like at the end of the day, it's very rare. So let's look at like the mindset. Three then. losing games. Three lo- like like three losing zero lanes, win conditions. Oh, you mean you mean three losing lanes? Three losing yeah, lanes. Yeah, like yeah, zero yeah. win. Like literally, like everyone's zero for like. That's not a game that I would even be thinking about playing from behind because there is no real answer to that, right? But let's say it's like you know I'm behind, but I've got laners to thing. It's like well then I can use that. You know, it's like. There's no advice unless I look at the specific, specific. And again, I think that there's levels to it, and maybe we should tackle the mindset it's when the mindset, that question really. is asked. So let, let, let's I say it's, it's a, okay. So let's first let's really break it down from first first principles in a way. Okay. So in a game of league, the objective is to win. Number one thing we want to win. We want to kill the nexus. Okay. Now, when killing a nexus and trying to win a game of of League of Legends. Um, you can't just go from zero to kill the Nexus. You've got to, first of all, be stronger than your opponent sometimes. You've got to kill towers, whatever, and you're eventually going to get there. But there's many, many ways to kill the Nexus. Like there's three lanes. If you're a jungler, there's three lanes to play around. You're, you yourself could be a potential win condition. Now we're talking about win conditions or win condition, a way, certain conditions we can meet so we can win this game, okay? 
Now, embedded within win conditions, there's also your role. Like, what? How do? What's my role within this, say, set win condition? We call this, say, set win condition a plan or a specific strategy. You just play one piece. You're just one role within this. You play one role. It's like a giant company in a way. You're just like this one little role within it. Okay. Now you might be a one big key figure. You might be a small one. You might be a facilitator. You could be a secondary carry. You could be, there's many, many roles that you can fit within a given win condition. Identifying win conditions is only possible if you're able to identify your role. Now, in, in terms of identify your role, you can't just pull your role out of your ass. Your role is, is dependent and interconnected with the other champions that are on your team and how strong they are and what the other champs are on the other team. So just by nature, just by breaking it down, because your role is inherently, uh, what's the word? It's inherently determined by the other things around you. It's going to be it's super situational based on the circumstance. So then the skill set is essentially being able to determine, um, You first of all, you got to know how champs interact and and how win conditions are brought about. And this is something that takes a lot of time. And so I've been kind of getting into win con assessment. I've said this kind of ties into playing from behind because at the end of the day, it's still killing the Nexus. Just trying to find a way to kill the Nexus. And I say this to my master tier clients and my D high diamond clients. I say, the difference between me and you isn't usually micro, is not usually macho understanding or team fighting or skirmishing. Although there might be little bits here and there that I'm better, but I just know how to kill the Nexus better than you. That's, I'm just better at that than you, because I ha- and 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 then they say, well, how did you, how did you get better at that? Well, there's a few things. Number one, I first got to high elo with a small. I knew how to kill the nexus with three champs, really really well. I learned how to kill the nexus with three champs through playing with intensity, a metric ton of games at a high level. And then when you verse other people at a high level, your your view of how to kill the nexus gets strengthened because now what's happening. You're, you're, you're forced to test a wide variety of hypotheses about how to win a game. You'll try one thing in Diamond 4 that works, and then you'll try that exact same thing in D1. That doesn't work anymore because people just will respond to it. They'll respect it better. They won't get caught off much. And you, okay, I've got to try something different now. Okay, how do I kill the Nexus now? Um, okay, I've got to try something else. So you, and then you've got better opponents, better opponents, better opponents. So the higher ELO you get through the lens of certain champions. That's why I say you ideally want to climb with a handful of champions. Then I now have a very holistic, well-refined game sense, or uh, I've developed the skill set of being able to kill the Nexus. That you can apply to many situations where you're in. And many champions though now. So that's why if you get to challenger Mm. with a handful of champions, if you climb with three champs, you will now likely be able to play 98% 98% of champions to master tier, I would say. Just through, not because you're good at that champ, but because you kind of just know how to win games of League of Legends. Like, you can just really just apply your way of killing the Nexus, as long as you kind of know the basic champ identity and stuff like that. That's yeah. what I believe. At least for me, I can play anything to about D1 Master. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Even if I've got no games on, I can play Lux in a random game. I kind of, I, I don't really play Lux, but so I could. If you were to play top lane, you think. In mid, I'm talking my role. Oh, uh, your role. So yeah. it's got to be your role. I was going to say. Obviously your role, yeah. Because, yeah. you, you, again, how to kill a Nexus is dependent on... You can't... The way I kill a Nexus as a jungler is going to be very different, different. Yeah, that's right. to mid lane. Yep. So I can... You could probably play many, many, many junglers to D1. 
<laughs> well, I'm currently diamond one now on my main jam. So. Yeah, but I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'll say. I'll say I would say you could. Or what, but even then, but you didn't get challenger. So, I mean, you're not a challenger. I wouldn't say you're a challenger jungler no, at the moment. No, correct. So that's fine. Yeah. But I think once you do get to challenger, yeah, high challenger, yeah, you, right. can, you can confidently yeah. get to master D with any jungler. Yeah, I agree. So the point I'm trying to make here is that the skill, the, the, when we're thinking about playing from behind, what we're really talking about is win con assessment and role assessment. Those are the two things we're actually talking about. There's no such thing, like playing from behind is not any different from playing from ahead. That's right. That, I it's think actually the that, same it's thing. It's the same thing because you got to figure out, I mean, it's all about killing the Nexus, as you said. That's all it is. Figuring out how to kill so the Nexus. So whether or not I'm the carry or I'm not the carry, I'm still killing the same, I'm still, I'm still trying to kill the Nexus. Time so, back so to that canyon thing that you said. Sometimes it's actually harder when you're ahead to win games than certain games that where you're behind. It can be hard. Okay, so let's get specific here. I think it can be harder on, on your mental stack to play from ahead because you have so many options. Mm. When playing from behind, you kind of know what you're looking for and you only have sometimes one option. So it's like, I'm just going to go hard on this. And it just works sometimes. And sometimes it's like, I'm just going to go hard on this. At least I know, at least then I can focus on my execution because I know I have this one win con. This yeah. is the only thing I can do. Yeah. And win con assessment, it, it's not something that comes overnight. It's a very long-term process. And again, the mindset is, it's like every game is a puzzle and I'm going to, find a way to utilize my kit in this game to win. And the better you understand your champ's identity, sorry, and the, the more you understand your champ's identity and the more cerebral you are thinking about comps and the more like you understand how lanes and champions interact, you will naturally get better at it. And, and funnily enough, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a bit deep on this one. I had a discussion with a client in the MLA about... Um, because I talk about this topic all the time, killing the next. It's like the one thing, it's probably the most common thing I talk about with my diamond clients. So every session you ask, how do I kill the Nexus at the beginning? Well, I, I usually ask them, what do you think? I will ask them. Like, yeah. what do you, so how are you going to win this game? I'll say that. So what did you think in this game? Like, how did you think you did were going to win? It, you say... So what were you thinking in this game, in this moment? So that would be I'll like say. a 15 minutes or something like that. I'll ask it all the time. Yeah, like, because okay. like, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to empathize. Like, what do they think here, right? Mm. And um, so I'll give you an example. I was working with a uh, a Z player. She's actually, a, it's a girl and she's a high level Z player. She's like D2. She's really good at Z. Beautiful champ mastery, mechanically flawless. And then I asked her like, how are you going to win this game? Like she got a lead. And then like, she couldn't really answer it. Like she didn't really, it was, she, it's really fa like hazy. She didn't genuinely know how it to It wasn't a very quick response. Well, she genuinely said, "I don't know. I just don't. Know. I couldn't tell you." Yeah. And and what happening? And when I, and I was, uh, it was really fascinating. We got to a moment where, in my mind, it's like the it's super clear. It's mm. like you got a strong side top side. Mm. Your jungler's your top side. Mm. All you got to do is shove this wave and move top and hover and dive their top laner. Mm. And then what did she do? She saw, oh yeah, bot lane's like like kind of overextended, and then she just went bot. And I explained to her, I said, if you get this kill bot, let's actually like play it out in your mind. You're going to get this kill bot. Then what's going to happen after? Your top laner, your jungler is going to look for a 2v2 top side. That and might be coin flip. that's going to be, we don't know what could happen there. Yeah. Then your mid laner is actually going to probably be able to attend that top lane skirmish. That kill that you get for this, you lose low AD, or maybe even save your AD carry, he's going to be so low that he can't continue to do anything anyway. There's no objectives on bot side. And this kill isn't going to change how your 1v1 matchup plays out. And it's not going to change how their 2v2 plays out. They're still going to lose a 2v2. Now, 
let's actually go back in, in time in your mind and try and envision what would happen if you were to go top here. Hmm. Well, oh, yeah, if I went top here, I would actually turn that 2v2 into a 2v3, which we would inevitably win. Then we could get rift off the back of that. My top would get two plates here, and we could probably rift top after and break top tower. And my, my mid laner would have had no options. He wouldn't have been able to do anything. Or even if he went bot and kill bot, they're probably going to die in the 2v2 anyway. But now I have a very strong clear member, a clear person I can play around, that I can compliment and I can roam and I can hover. And we can turn this into a mid game, a pretty free mid game. So what we've done there, what I do, what I try to do is I, I, I first understand, try to get the person to understand what they were thinking and why they made that decision. Sometimes it's, I genuinely thought this was the right play. Sometimes they didn't, they weren't aware of the jungler's location. Sometimes they didn't know who was strong and weak in the game. Or sometimes they're just autopilot and it's just like, her, her, they're overextended, I'm just going to go there. Or like, my vision was that side, I just happened to move down there, it's just by chance. And then, then what I do is I, I play it out. It's like, okay, this is, this is what we got from this. Let's actually look at what we got from this. And then go back in time and I'll say, this is what I would have done and why. My jungle's on this side of the map. My top lane is actually winning here. And is a, I, I believe that champion's good into these champs as well as this person already being ahead. And my other my lane's losing. I can create a secondary win condition. Bam, 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 bam. And then after, she's like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I'm able to get ahead, but I just don't win games. And it, and it seems really, really simple, but for some people, this isn't intuitive. The concept of creating a secondary win con or the, the concept of playing with your jungler. In the, and, in, and, and, and this is the crazy thing and why it's non-intuitive and why I've noticed people who are stuck in diamond for a long period of time. They don't, when they go for a roam, and it works. Say, for example, she goes bot, she gets that kill. She's not going to go into the review and be like, huh, what What did this actually get me? And what did I lose what could, And what could I have done otherwise? What was another they option? won't do that. Yeah. Most people, because so of their egos, successful. they'll think kill successful. My top lane, my sucks, top lane sucks. Yeah, they, they yeah. You know, oh, jungle diff, top diff, act, you know, mm. or they'll look at that that team fight later on where their top lane messed up and they're oh, I just totally lose. Fuck it. Yeah. They won't actually look at the things that they did what do well. And actually, what were the alternate options? It's not just about what you did. It's more about like what you missed out, like missed opportunities or like the alternative. I mean, but people have, I feel like people are pretty, people have ideas. They've done it before and they can activate that part of their brain, but they're just lazy. No, you know, I sometimes. don't think it's laziness. You don't think it is? I think it's ego. You think it's ego? I think yeah. it's ego. I yeah. think it's a, it's a protection. It's, it's a protection. It's a defense mechanism. It's a de defense mechanism, yeah. To blame them for that loss. Exactly, yeah. because it hurts. It's not taking accountability. It hurts to go back in that vod and say... I lost the game when I went for this roam here and got that kill bot. That's very... Who, who says that? Who says that? No one says and, that. And, and yeah. when people listen to my stream, I'll say, and like I had this game, like I played really, really well and like I made one mistake and lost. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, I, but I, I, I'll say something sometimes. Oh yeah, I lost when I, I did this one thing. Even though it, it may... Looked it, good. I look yeah. good, right? I look good here. Yeah. But I still could have won this game. Yeah. Because I don't really give a shit about these players. I want to win the game at, at, at any cost, at all costs. And I know that I could have won this game. And that matters more to me than blaming this dude. Mm. It just matters more to me. I, I care more about winning in this situation. Mm. And so I think when people come from that question, they say like, how do I play from behind? It's like, okay, we can look at these games where you're behind and look at you, like how you identified your role. We can get into that. But you got to realize that like the mindset of just being able to identify your role and think about win cons and missed opportunities. That's what we're getting at really. And it's the exact same when you're ahead. It's the exact same when you're ahead. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. 
We're just trying to kill you're playing the, the game of League of Legends. You're adapting. You're you're, you're trading sides. You're trading objects. Like there's always windows. Think of it like chess. When you make a move in chess, you don't just like okay, like you take this guy's piece. There's always a consequence for that 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 action because now you've put yourself in a different position, and they can make a counter move. And even if you got this piece and they didn't get a piece, that doesn't mean that that doesn't always mean that that getting that one piece is the best move. Mm. Sometimes not getting it might be better. Mm. Again, you need to be able to go back though and, and like look at it. And in chess, like because it's a one v one. And you control everything. It's a lot easier to go back over your mistakes and take responsibility because there's no one else to blame. But in league, it's not so much the case, right? Um, so walk me through. So you don't feel good answering that question because I I will always lose answering that question. Like I can't like like basically unless we've done that whole in depth. We like I sat down. We had a podcast. We talked about the mindset of this question. Um, like, I can't just type all that out, what we just said, you know? So, if someone says, how do we lose... So, I think then, if someone is struggling to play from behind, that is a sign that I would say they're not actively identifying who's strong on their team, yep. who's weak on their team, yep. how they can utilize their kit to, like, help those players. Um, but then, on the flip side, there are certain champions, like Yasuo in mid lane, that when you get behind, you don't have a role. Like, you're just done like you have just got to farm you just got to farm there is nothing else but farming and sometimes you might farm and you might win because like the enemy like make plenty of mistakes and that happens but sometimes like you simply don't have options and i want to talk about that in a second but is there anything else with this losing thing that we, we need to cover that you want to get off the off your chest while we're on this topic no i think that's good i think that uh yeah. So to get specific, that's your advice, right? Get, get specific. specific. Yeah. But I, I guess the key thing I want here to people think about, what's their mindset? What is playing from behind? Because I have an idea of what playing behind is, and that's the way I answer that question. But I feel like people ask that question wanting a solution to games that are, you shouldn't be putting your effort right. into that type of so it's, situation. It's, it, so the intention of learning to play from behind isn't to win the games. It's more to like maximize, just know what you are to do. Like in a way, it's like you're worried that people are trying to find a solution to something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Like they're never, they're not going to win anyway. Yeah. But it should be coming from a, a sense of like, I just got to know my role at all times, no matter what. That's like what you want. That's the real message, isn't it? Correct. As as long as you know your role in this game, or you have a hypothesis about your role, that's the most important thing. I guess like the question would be, here's this game. This is the situation. What's my role in this situation? Even then, it's hard to see without seeing the game sometimes. Yeah, of and course. the rank you have to see the game. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's important. So, yeah, you're right. The mindset's the most important thing, though. So, following on from this, Nathan. So, I'm going to give a little bit of a teaser of teaser. a video that I'm working on. Ooh, we love Curtis. This is, this is a trailer. And I think trailer. this is um, going to be an absolutely fascinating. And I got inspired here by Nissim Taleb. Again, shouting him out. Shouting him out. In terms of not just the message more about the level of thought and how critical thinking yeah just again we're on that theme of the month basically critical thinking. critical thinking right so there are certain champs okay so actually even go further back whenever i feel uncomfortable whether it's in game or out of game i i take it as a sign something's not right if i feel an emotion whether it's anxiety uncomfortability some form of uncomfort confusion whatever 
it's a sign that I, I kind of need to take a step back. And like, where is this coming from? Like, why do I feel this way? And so I found over the past month or two, whenever I do a review with Yasuo, or I get questions with from gold and platinum players when it comes to Yasuo, Kassadin, Vlad, Kale, these champions, mm. I get a sense of like unease. I, I, and I, I really struggle to pinpoint it. But thanks to Nassim Taleb, I've addressed it and I've really thought about this and it's led me down an interesting so you've, path. You've thought about why you feel uneasy yeah. when you get these questions about these champions. And why I feel weird reviewing you these couldn't, games. You couldn't pinpoint it. No, I knew something was wrong, yeah. but I didn't know why. Yeah. And so I've come to, a, I've, I've hit, I've struck gold here, I think. Okay. Um, okay. Let's hear it. It's going to be very careful about how I word this. So it can be quite complicated. So, so I want you to envision... Your uh, imagine if we are in front of a maze, and this maybe let's say there's five of us me, you, and three other BBC listeners, okay? And we're you remember Harry Potter on the um, what's that 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 film? The uh, with the maze, with the maze, the goblet of fire, the goblet of fire, and you know how there's like different entrances, kind of, yeah, and we're all lining up in front of an entrance. So you've got your entrance, I've got my entrance, or we've got our entrances. And um, and we go into this maze. And we will take a different path. And we have no idea where that path will, will lead us. Lead us. And you go in, and each of us face different problems, didn't we? In, 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 if, you, if you've seen Harry Potter, if you think back, they all go and there's like Cedric Diggory, Harry Potter, and those those other guys, the girl, and they there's different monsters or different scenarios, different problems they face. And um, they're all trying to get to the end. They're all trying to get to the end of the maze, which is the Goblet of Fire. In our case, maybe it's Challenger. Let's just call it Challenger. And um, the reason I'm bringing up this as an analogy is because I feel like this is exactly what happens when someone begins their rank journey with a specific champion. So I'm going to just, for the sake of this example, say we're all five mid laners. Mm. I'm a Yasuo main. You're a uh, Oriana main. Down there, we got a TF. We got a Nivea. We have a Galio. Wave at him if you want to wave at him. <laughs> and um, we all go in. And I, and given my path path in the maze is different to yours, mm. I'm going to face different problems. And I'm gonna, I might have a, I might, the first half of my maze might be really easy. And then it might be a little bit tricky. It might have a really, really hard bit. So the first 50% might be really easy and then it might get really hard for you. The first 20% might just be brutal, but then you smooth sail from 20 to 70% of the maze. And we all face these different problems. And um, what I'm getting at here is that the champion that you choose, or the tool, you want to call it a tool or the maze, dictates the sorts of, it dictates your league journey that you're going to have. You're going to have, you're going to have a, um, you're going to be, more what's the word exposed or i guess there's a there's a higher percentage of being exposed or oh, what's the word a proclivity um sorry i'm just my english my vocabulary is terrible terrible here <laughs> but, but okay basically you're going to be there's a higher chance that yeah. i'm going to struggle with certain things compared to you as an oriana player so i am going to struggle against certain junglers certain champions i'm going to struggle against Hecarims, uh, as you're on Oriana, you're gonna, sorry, you're going to struggle against Hecarims. I'm going to struggle against Hecarims as well, but that guy over there who plays LeBlanc or something 
isn't going to struggle against Hecarim. I'm going to struggle against CC. We're going to struggle against CC. That person over there might not be struggling against CC. I am going to, maybe I don't even care about junglers whatsoever. I, don't, I just don't get ganked. My champion just doesn't get ganked. Mm. So I don't really have to worry about junglers. I have to focus heavy on micro and trading because I'm playing Yasuo, whereas that Galio player over there doesn't. He can just press Q on the wave, or play, maybe on another Malzahar player here. You just E on the wave, Q on the wave. I don't really have to worry about CSing and micro and all that stuff, micro interaction, tethering. It doesn't, doesn't matter because I'm just one-shotting the wave and I just don't interact. And what I'm getting at is that um, we go in blind. People go into the starting rank journeys completely blind. We have no idea. We're starting in this maze. We have no they idea. They don't know what the maze entails. They don't know what they the maze know the entails. is going to be ripping at them right. like, the moment they walk in there or whether it's going to be 50% right. down the track. Now, now, if we knew, right, given that we, we ideally, we probably have a, a bit of information about our personality before we start to, uh, and tendencies before we start to start our league journey. Um, if we knew what problems that we could face, what things are going to be easy, Areas that you would have to direct a lot of intention towards, th- skills that you're going to have to develop a lot more than other skills. If you knew what, like what was lying ahead on this path, so you're saying with your champ, with that champion you selected, yeah, with that champion you were selected, the person you would be able to now match up with the specific, like you would be able to better equip yourself or know which maze to take, which route to take. If I knew what was going, I was going to face right. And I wouldn't care if, if so. I face this problem. Great, I'm expecting that. I'm I'm happy with those problems. I can tackle them right head on. But the problem is, I get people that, and no fault of their own, they love Yasuo. They love the, the design, things like that. But they they start their league journey, and they were not anticipating the difficulties that lie ahead, and the problems that lie ahead, and the certain things that they had to do to climb with that champion. They unwillingly, unknowingly signed a certain agreement, kind of similar to the Solo contract, with the game that said, if you are going to climb with this champion, this is how you're going to do it. Now, this doesn't exist anywhere. No one talks about this. We just say, all right, you know, you're just going to pick a champ, whether, whether it's because of the aesthetics, the thematics, the feel, whatever. You pick that champ and have a crack. Go in there. And time and time again, players... Come to me, and they will get very confused because there's a player over here playing Galio, smooth sailing to Diamond Four, not really that good mechanically at all. Can get there, but has over index and other skills because, and maybe they've just just by chance picked the champ that suits their personality, their strengths and weaknesses perfectly. Then you get another poor guy over here who loves Yasuo, loves Yone, loves Katarina, but they didn't realize. That when you play Yasuo, there is no macro. I watch, and, and to prove this, and to, to make sure that I'm on the right track here, I spent the last two days watching hours of PZ Zhang, the best Yasuo in Korea. And I was watching him, just, so how, and really, not just looking at how he navigates, how he wins games, just like literally how he kills the Nexus. How does he kill the goddamn Nexus as Yasuo? What does he do? All he does... He's very, very good mechanically in terms of trading, min-maxing, like E in, auto-Q, E back. Does know a lot about wave management. Incredibly good at farming, farming raptors on cooldown. Zip, basically, zero roaming, zero just zero awareness of what the hell, like, just, even watch his stream, like, 
a lot of the time it's just coin flip whether he gets ganked or not. Yeah. He just tries to outplay it. Yeah. And there was I can and this, the crazy thing is I was watching all these moments and I I thought back to my experiences coaching a Yasuo player. And the difference between PC Zhang and this in this coaching client in Platinum, PC Zhang will win this 2v1 yeah. or win this 1v1 because yeah. he flashes here and he does this and he executes it flawlessly. This guy doesn't. The Yasuo that dies here, their game's done. It's done. You're gonna now going to die again probably two more times. And whether or not you have the mental, mental, mental resilience or maybe the game does get slowed out, sure, you might win it. But the game is going to be very, very hard for you and you're going to die again and again and again. And PC Zhang... He farms, he farms, 10 cents per minute. He farms, he farms, he farms, he farms. And then he'll pop off in mid-game at two items. Yeah. And then you compare how he kills a Nexus comparatively to, say, a TF1 trick in EU. Mm. Very different. Completely different skill set. Mm. Yes, there's some overlaps. They're still going to be good mechanically and things like that. But the way you kill the Nexus and where you're directing your attention and what is important to you is very different. In order for someone to get to PZ Zhang's level, they would have to do have a metric ton of focus. So their on, level as a Yasuo player as well, or you're talking about as another mid laner, a different champion. We're talking just with Yasuo. If you want to okay. be like PZ Zhang with Yasuo, you're gonna So we're you, talking about champion mastery here. Yeah, we're talking about champion mastery. But to get to climb with these champions specifically, you gotta like you're gonna have to spend a lot of time understanding your matchups and really being very good mechanically. And some people may love that. Understanding your path in the maze. And it, exactly. And you, some people may love that. Some people may love that. But you might love the idea of it. But when it really comes to the, like, the, the, the execution of this and getting into the details and like, just under, like, being okay with like, losing it, like, being okay with... Um, I mean, you can't... You've you got to have attention to detail as a Yasuo player. You just do. But that not that might not match up with what you were expecting with Yasuo. You know what I mean? So what I'm what I'm getting the main point I'm trying to get across here, Nathan, is that there people go in blind into their league journeys without knowing what they're signing up to. Then they dig themselves this huge fucking hole. Well, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they need to watch guides? They'll be watching guides and stuff on YouTube and that sort of stuff. But no one talks about this. So they don't talk about the challenge specifically. No, because in our guides we talk about. Okay, Nathan, how who to do does well. guides like us? Who no, does a, who I mean, actually I'm, does a guy? I'm thinking who I'm, does a guy like us? Yeah, like a pro, like you actually a guy, a real guy. You're like you're like you're talking about your journey with the champion. Like, yeah, these are the what's it going to look like? Hit. What are the problems you're going to face? At what level? What are you going to have to get good at? Dude, my guys aren't like that. That's that's the next. That's level. what I did with Kiana. That's what oh, I've okay. done. I've done this with yeah. certain. Gen- some of my guys I haven't. Some I have. Yeah, but I still and this one I haven't done this well enough. Yeah, I mean I, I think I've done it. Yeah, I've done it well enough. And and what I'm getting at, Nathan, is that like. People say like, oh, you know, I'm trying to climb with Yasuo and, they, and their, their personality traits don't match up with the things that they, they mm. like the, the way they would have to improve or like they climb. They're not okay. Mm. They're not okay with getting into the details with Yasuo and then complain about dying four times to gangs and shit like that. Well, that's just embedded in the champ. You're going to have, you're going to, it's like a feast or famine champion. Are yeah. you okay with playing a feast or famine champion? Are you, are you, are you aware of the contract that you signed? And they're not, no. they're not aware of the contract that they've signed. Yeah. So going back to that maze analogy, we're just everyone's just going in fucking blind. I don't know. I can't match myself up with the, with the with the maze yeah. within the challenges and the tr- trials and tribulations I'm going to face. Yeah. So what I want to do, I'm going to make it, the video I wanted to make was, I want people to know, roughly, at least somewhat roughly, what challenges, what they're gonna what they're gonna have to do to climb with these champions. 
where they're going to have to direct their attention, what ranks they're likely going to get plateaued at, where you're going to really find it hard to climb. Certain champions, if you play Malzar, you're going to get it really easy to plat four, but then plat four to diamond four is going to be way harder. And when you get to diamond four as a Malzar player, because you haven't developed other skills, you're going to find it incredibly hard to get from higher than that because you're, you haven't allowed, you, you're not going to be, Malzar won't allow you to learn the mechanical element of the game. Whereas other champions, you will you actually be forced to learn the mechanical element of the game, but you don't learn the macro side of the game. Mm. So there's always trade-offs mm. and it's all nuance. Mm. So everyone's path is going to be skewed. You're going to be, like I said, breeze through the first 50%, but then that next 20% is brutal. Then maybe it's easy for 10%. It's so complicated. Mm. It is so complicated. Mm. Well, you see, with your analogy, I view it as two different mazes. Like you have the champion mastery maze. Mm. And then, you know, we, we talk about gaming background and yeah. you're like, you're, you're like, you have another maze, but that's said, like that person's entering that maze with like extra weapons, extra armor or right. something yeah, because you're they spot have on. like a pro, like a pro player in another if, game. Yeah. And you, we could even, if, if I were to go in depth on this and really study this, cause I've noticed this by the way. And the only reason I've noticed this is because I've done hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of coaching sessions, right? Mm-hmm. In thousands, right? At this point of coaching sessions, I've been able to see the trends and there's certain types of personalities that struggle with certain champions yeah. and their gaming backgrounds. And that's yeah. why I ask when I do my first session with my, my new client, I'll say, tell me a bit about yourself. How long have you played the game? Did you play any games before league? How long have you played this champion specifically? I'll ask these questions. And I now know, I've gotten to the point where I can basically... If you're like a server, you can like map out. I can, like, with 95% accuracy, yeah. n- without even looking at their gameplay, based off the champ they play, based off their rank and their game experience, I could tell you with 95% accuracy exactly what I'm about to see in this VOD. Yeah. And the, what they're bad at, what they're good at, what mm-hmm. they're struggling with and where they need to... Without even just looking at the VOD. Just pers- it's just their person. Well, it's impressive. I can't do that. I, I mean, I don't really ask those questions. I... I'm also know what to expect with the champion and the rank. That's basically. I would strongly things. suggest Nathan, you start to really like I'll, I'll type. I'll write out with my survey questions because. Well, just 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 so, oh, it's just reserving. What's your what's your median income? <laughs> <laughs> and and if you see and 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 if you ask these few questions, yeah. you get and and I would say with with ninety nine point nine percent of the time that with the high low, um, the somewhat high reload clients that got there fast, they have a gaming background. And the ones that struggled and are stuck in like more like low gold and stuff like that, they didn't have a gaming background. Mm. I had a guy that he said he ne- league, he'd never played a PC game. He'd mm. like barely played console. console, not even console. Oh. He said he played like Pac-Man or some shit or, I don't know, <laughs> or something like that. Pac-Man Tetris, they played Tetris. Tetris like that's it. He went yeah. from Tetris to league. Yeah. He's going to struggle. That's going to be hard. Very hard. It's going to yeah. be hard, very hard. Yeah. And I'm not saying this to, 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 to make him upset. I'm saying, you are going to improve slower than everyone. I told him mm. straight up. Mm. You're going to improve way slower than everyone else. Yeah. Sorry, man. This is what it is. I'm get just, excited about it. Yeah, get excited about it. this. Is your, your, you know, David this is Goggins. Your journey. You know, just to because I don't want him to have un, unrealistic expectations. Mm. And so, yeah, I think this is an interesting avenue to explore, and and I would love uh, over time and over my, you know over my time coaching, I want to like get very specific. It's like, okay, um, with this champion, you're going to experience these things. And so now, and this is actually going to influence my coaching. If I get a Yasuo, and this is something I'm going to make a video on in the MLA with these certain champions, you don't learn, fu- you, I'm not there to teach you fundamentals with Yasuo. 
<laughs> you just don't. I'll teach you wave management. We need that. Maybe a little bit of like, I guess a little bit of jungle tracking and things like that. Maybe a little bit of warding. But that PZ thing doesn't do any. Well, PZ saying like, you look at his warding, he's very shit. Yeah. Like, and, and his jungle <laughs> tracking, I guess might be okay. But he's just, mecha- like, tr- he's just wave management and trading. Yeah. To be honest with you, you know, PC Zang would probably be a better suited to a top laner. Mm-hmm. But regardless, mm-hmm. you what you need then to do is laser focus on mechanical optimization, really understanding your matchups, and there's certain then there's certain ways to improve upon that. Now, what I would recommend certain players maybe playing Galio, when I tell them to look at VOD, I tell them to look at specific things. Where like how are they using their pressure? Where it like do they hover out of vision? What are they doing? How are they playing skirmishes, things like that? How are they creating secondary win cons and things like that? But then with the Yasuo player, what you should actually do is you should, this is my technique and what I did with PZ Zhang, look at what they did, pause the VOD, and then before you before you continue on, what would you do here? Pause it. What would you do here? Then play it and observe what they do. Then go to the next trade. Look at that trade. Why wouldn't you have done that? Would you have expected that? What are they, what are they factoring in that you're not? Why mm. are they doing this? Why? Mm. Get fucking granular. Mm. Get fucking granular. Mm. And the more you do that, the more you understand the trading patterns and the more you understand like how you're, you're in and out. breezing through the maze. Yeah, you breeze through it and then, and then that's great. But if you don't if you don't enjoy that, don't play Yasuo. Yeah. If, if you don't want to hyper-focus on your lane, your first eight minutes of the game and farming, farm optimization, all that shit, so you really pinpoint on Yasuo, but you put him in the same category as Vlad or that. Yeah, because these champs, Kale. these champs have very little, like the, why these champs all fit into a very similar category is because they, ha- they have very little proactivity. It's like, it's just lane. You got to like be really, really, really good in skirmishes and your lane. And then you got to like be really good at farming and then you got to like pop off. I, okay. I want to give you an analogy about how I describe all these champs in a way. It's like not really Katarina, maybe Kale, Yasuo, like maybe Vlad, yeah, Cassidy. I view them as like, um, as like, imagine like an ability. Okay, have you ever played a game where there's like a long charge up of an ability? So you got to like hold it down. And you're like charging it up, and boom! <laughs> and if you hit it, you like you like one win. Shot. Yeah, you one shot. Yeah. And then if you if you miss, it's like you just you just lose, right? Yeah. And the way I view all these champs, you're like charging out, charging, out, and then you get to that one point where you got to execute. Ooh, if you mess it up, you do. You know, you lost. And if you and if you um, if you hit it, you win. And to and and, and to, again to confirm my hypothesis, I watched a kale a bunch of kale. Mm-hmm. Nemesis is kale. Fuck me. This aggravates me. Okay. He plays kale, obviously in like Grandmaster, Low Challenger in Korea. It is the most boring, disgraceful legal. It's not. It doesn't. It's just not League of Legends, and I'm sorry really? to say, like, oh, and, God, and God. sorry to say here, I'm, I'm really is like you're, and this I don't want this to be a champ shaming thing, but I nearly fell asleep watching it. Mm. It's Kale, farm just has to get get shoved in, 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 get shoved in. Okay, one item, get shoved in, get shoved in, get shoved. Uh, one and a half item, get shoved in, get shoved in, catch wave, catch wave, catch wave, catch wave. Okay, now we're at level 13, level 14. Keep going, keep going. No impact. Fuck all impact. No roams. No hovers. No pressure. No TP to the side lanes. Nothing. Even when he got to like level 15, 14, dying in the side lane still. 
Keep going, keep going. Game somehow gets stalled out. Okay, finally, we're going to group here. We're level like 15, 16. Okay, oh yes, I get my triple kill. We get Barrow in the game. <laughs> what the hell is that? You think you're, that's, that's not League of Legends. There's no League strategy. Like, you're no proactivity. You're not offering anything to the game. Yeah. And it aggravates me. It's like, okay, if you want to play Farm Simulator and then pop off at three items and feel like But Super that's Sane, the best way to play Kale. And play, yeah, that is Kale. I'm not saying... Because this is champion shaming, man. But I'm saying, it's like, unless you are really... Cause, and this is why I feel uncomfortable coaching Kale as well. Mm. It's like, there is nothing to coach here at the end of the lane. It's like... You CS well, okay. Get shoved in, good. I mean, you don't really have a choice whether you get a good resort or not because you can't do jack shit anyway. I mean, maybe you can like trade back a little bit if they miss misstep, sure. But it's so basic. Like the kit's, the kit's so basic, and all we kind of do is we're gonna pray that the game gets stored out, and then we've got to look at your positioning and like your team fight execution, and like you how good you are in the side lane. And then we yeah, we will look at your side laning, we'll look at your team fighting. But, like, we're just going to basically brush over really fast, like, the first 12, 15 minutes. Fine. Which runs counter to, like, everything that What's I'm all about. about. Yeah. And, and, and what this... And why this is... Okay. You would adapt, Curtis. Yeah, okay. Let, let, let's simply clarify. If you are okay with this... And I can help you with the, like, the translation leads, like, like, like the mid-game stuff. I will help you with this. But as long as you understand that there are going to be many, many, many games that are going to be completely out of your control, you've got to be okay with that. As long as you're okay with that, like, you're, that... You're going to do nothing and then you're going to pray mm. that, that the game gets sorted. If you're okay with that and you just love this style of play, sure. Mm. But do not complain to me that you get all these 30% losses or whatever. Don't, don't complain to me that you have very, there's nothing I can do. Because I get these comments that but it feels like I get, there's nothing I can do in these games. You're right. There is nothing. You're going to just lose this game. You're just going to lose. You're just going to lose. And you're gonna and you're gonna climb only ever with a very small win rate because there's very little proactivity. If you're okay with that because you really love the champion, fine. I'll help you with the games that are that are somewhat winnable. But I guess my pet peeve is that people don't realize the agreement that they've signed, and they expect to play a hyperscaling champion and like expect to have winning early game. Yeah, okay. and like have all these options. No, you have fuck all options. Yeah. That's a, that's the agreement you've signed, dude. Be okay with that. And that's, I guess, and that's where my uncomfortability, that's, you know, we've gone in a huge circle here. That's where my unease started. My unease, I felt in these sessions, was that I'm right. There is little, very little proactivity. Yeah. But you're trying to feel, you're trying to Because I don't play that way and I don't, and people don't, and that's why you don't see high elo KO one tricks and shit like that. Because the champ's inherently bad. The champs inherently shit, yeah. and there is very little options. And mm. then you just go to mechanics max in mid game. Well, Nemesis makes it work, so there's no denying about it. Yeah, but he that. doesn't get high elo. I mean, Curtis, that's pretty damn high. Come on. And then, uh, I mean, Challenger and Career, dude, he'll be super high on. Okay, then let's play Devil's Advocate then. With someone of that amount of talent and that amount of mechanical that mechanical skill, how much high elo would it be if he played any other champion in the game? That's a great question. Yeah, you tell me. Mm. I don't know. Good question. I don't know. So, so you know, and how much of that rank is him just being good at the game? Yeah. <laughs> Rather than Kale. Insert yeah. any fucking champ. Yeah. You know? And, and, and it's... And that unease, it's like, okay, I get it. So now I realize, and now 
I'm accepting that. Now, Yasuo and Kale are kind of different because Yasuo has a lot of proactivity in the early lane. But the premise is kind of similar in the sense that, like, where, where, where I kind of find this similar is that um, it's like with Yasuo, if you die once, yeah, you can't facilitate. You have no utility. It's like you just, you can't unbreak freezes, nothing. You're just... Well, then we go to the playing from behind conversation, Gerdes. What's yeah, and role? then there is no playing from behind with Yasuo, really. So there's I no mean, role. There's no role. I mean, it's just, again... Soak up farm. Just it's like yeah, just, there is. You're a scavenger. Right. You're just a scavenger. <laughs> exactly. Scavenge for farm. Yeah. And again, pray. Yeah. That's one of the way you want to play League of Legends. <laughs> Go for it, my man. Yeah. Go for it. But then you know I'll be diving your bot. I'm TPing to your site, your bot lane as Galio at level three and double killing your bot lane. I'm using my TFR top lane and snowballing this heavy trading matchup. I'm doing all these things. You know. All right, so we're excited for this next video. Yeah, so that's what my, my video is going to be. I'm, I'm going to attempt. I need to take some time to really like really lay out my thoughts, but... The maze analogy. The maze analogy. I yeah. always was thinking about the, the maze scene in Harry Potter when you were trying when you were saying that. I was like, Did you get what I mean with the, the maze? Like, you kind of get it? Yeah. Well, again, I, I was separated into two mazes, which also shouldn't be two mazes in no, a way. No, I think it's more... I don't, I don't think it's two is mazes. It that's confusing. Maze. I think it's more like your other analogy you said, which is that they come in with different equipment. Going equipment, okay. Yeah, so yeah, so they're playing Yasuo, but they have the advantage of all the mechanics from other games, so they have extra armor. Yeah, so they've got okay. like extra armor, like shield yeah. and stuff It is one like maze. That. Yeah, you're right. All right, so let's take a quick break before we move on. I'm going to toilet break. And we'll just jump into mailbag next, yeah? You want to go mailbag? Yep. Okay. Away we go! All right, guys, we're jumping into mailbag. But Curtis, we've he's got to address something. Well, we, we were not going to address it, but we, we got it. We, we just we got, got to address it. Right? it. So on we our last um, episode seventy-two, last episode, you know, we read through the comments, we check out the comments, and there was a comment um, we had, and it got a lot of traction. All right, and it was got this dude. Press F. I won't read it out. It's quite long, um, but it's basically saying how you know where he's basically saying that right deserves to get hate. And that um, where we are, <laughs> well, we're delusional, quite, uh, delusional, and completely yeah, so apparently disconnected we're completely, from the experience of the average player. Yeah, we're completely disconnected from the the experience of the average player. Stop with these takes, please, Franklin Sabrasa. So this is in response to um, us saying that that person who complained about coming back to the game every, once every year, um, he was upset about. He that. was upset about it, and then everyone jumped on the bandwagon. And we, we, I said that there was a level of anchoring effect at play there. Now, there is, there is so many things wrong with many of the arguments here, and there's a, an extreme lack of critical thinking. So I, I don't really, I'm not going to reply to all of it, but I'm going to say one or two things here. Number one, um, you mention streamers. And you, you think that the majority of the people that play the game, which is, what's that, like 500 million, million, hundreds of millions, apparently there's hundreds of millions of people. Um, but apparently, which which is just, just straight up wrong and you could never say a statement like that. But the main thing is saying that big streamers, all the big streamers, Yasuo, Cutie Pie, Night Blue, they barely, barely play, they've all quit the game. And Tyler One is the only big streamer left playing the game and look at his mental state. This is all due to Riot. It's all due to Riot. Okay, all of it. And, um, okay, let's talk about streamers for a second, man. The biggest influences. Talk about the biggest influences. Would you say, Press F, that these streamers 
have a healthy relationship with the game? Would you say that streaming as an actual activity is a healthy thing to do for an extended period of time? Let's take just one of them. You, you know, you highlighted Tyler 1. Let's talk about Tyler 1. Tyler 1 plays on stream. How, how long are your streams? Eight hours? He I'll plays, I think he plays on average in a block on his stream straight. 20? 20 games? Something like that? 15 maybe? Between 15 to 20, maybe even more. Well, it can't be in eight hours. It's not possible. It's a, a lot of games. It's a lot of games. Yep, he plays a lot of games. No reviews. On stream anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to sit there and you can actually see his body change, you go to the start of the stream and then go to the end of the stream. So he starts like this and then he ends like this. Now, (laughs) there are many things that contribute to feeling like shit playing a computer game. Um, Now, actually, let's even put computer games aside. Let's say if you abuse anything you abuse alcohol you abuse food you abuse drugs you abuse a video game you abuse just do anything repetitively you abuse it and if you don't have a, a healthy relationship with that said activity or whatever it is you're probably not gonna have a very positive experience are you it's gonna end in disaster one way or another you cannot blame an addict. You can't blame. You can't blame um, one of these addicts. Well, that's what a lot of I believe a lot of these streamers actually are. Well, there's even a fine line between a streamer and an addict. We'll put it that way. But that's a whole different conversation. You cannot blame all of these problems on Riot for someone who plays 17 games straight. Get fucked, man. You, you, this is so. You call us delusional. You. And these streamers are completely disconnected from the average experience of a gamer. Until someone who sits there and takes and respects the game, plays in three blocks, does it with moderation, and does it and actually has a healthy relationship with the game, understands how they're impacted, understanding how they impact the game, understanding how their actions are impacting the, you know, the like you pick a champion and the champs like to understand how that champion is actually going to impact the draft, understanding how your lack of pressure is impacting the map, understanding the, like just the entire psychology of the rank solo queue experience, as well as just what's going to happen to your focus after playing for more than two hours straight, all these things. We take all these things. And if you give me someone who like all these, say all these streamers had a healthy relationship with the game and they still had a massive, massive problems with riot. Sure. They would probably have a lot of merit. But they have zero merit. They have saying. no merit. They have no merit. And so his comment, his 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 comment, he's trying to say that the biggest influencers are saying this, and they must be. Yep. The if the biggest influencers or the big streamers, they say they don't like Riot. Tell me any one of these who have a healthy relationship with the game, or, or in general, just a, just healthy habits. Look at. Look at all the people that were streaming League that like end up moving on from it, like Scara and like Cutie in all these. But yeah, they might be nice guys, but they don't have healthy relationship with the gaming and streaming as an actual medium or and a job is just by nature. It's not a very healthy thing. Yeah, you mean you're constantly under the public scrutiny. You're, it's all about views. It's all about and... views and numbers and doing what is good for for entertainment. You're just a little puppet, 
little pop of their dangling no, I mean, in front every of Every streamer at the end of the day, they come out with their tweet saying their mental health problems. The right? mental health, the mental health issues has, I would say, ten percent of it is probably from Riot, right, and ninety percent of it from streaming. People disagree with that one, Curtis. And and so until you stream, and until look, press F, until you've streamed, you can't have a take on this, buddy, man, because you don't stream. Or at least no one watches your stream. So it doesn't matter if you do stream from what I can tell. So, you know, man, like, you know, I take offense to this because we push the importance of critical thinking, right? And I get where you're coming from, man. I'm not saying Riot's perfect, but they do, they've done a pretty good, they've, done, they've made a pretty good game. Yes, they could be doing things better, but your, your argument is completely flawed, Right, and by the sounds of things, you don't even really seem like you get the message of the BBC. So, to be honest with you, I don't know why you watch the BBC in the first place. So, I, I don't really, and and to us, I I want there to be other views and people opposing our takes, but make it more interesting than that. You know, I agree with a lot of the criticism we get, but that is just be, calling us the, the delusional person calling us delusional. I mean, get your facts straight and actually think through your argument before typing out an essay like that. It's, uh, that's frankly embarrassing, to be honest with you. That's just my take. There was a comment from uh, Tordy in response to it saying uh, he thinks the end of his comment was true. Many streamers and coaches like us are disconnected from the experience of average player. Uh, most of them tend to talk about ranking blocks of three and have this idea of a gold player. But people out there don't make their life around the game and have actually work. I encouraged Tordy to watch my interview with Ishan. Um, he was a gold player who joined my coaching program, who had a full-time job and only played three games a day, and he got to master TR with that, um, with zero gaming background of like at a high level. I'm all I'm going to say is if you want to take the time, Tordy, watch that because that might change your perspective a little bit. And, and I would say I'd bounce back there. I would say we, we are probably the people who have the most connection with the average experience because... All I do is talk with people who don't take... Like, I've disconnected from the esports scene of the high elite community, and all I ever do is talk to people that have full-time jobs. Like, I work with... I, I Most In of my clients sort of are either at school, university, or have full-time jobs. That's but it's predominantly who I work with. Mm. So, if anything, I'm actually... I'm now... I was... I would say I was disconnected big time a year or two ago. But now, I wouldn't say... I think when we when we first started coaching, we actually realized how disconnected yeah. we actually were. And that's why we had to do bulk sessions. Yeah. Like, really get to talk to these people, yeah. you know? Like, figure out their problems. So, I'd say that's, again, one of... I'd say that's actually one of our strengths. Is that we are so connected with the average person's ranked experience. Hence why the three blocks is such a great little tool for the average person. It doesn't require much time, you know? Three blocks, it's just a great little thing. So, anyway, that's my take. You know, I couldn't just, given how much traction that comment got and people responding to it, because I thought it was a troll, to be honest. I read it, I, thought, I genuinely thought it was a troll. That's why I didn't reply to it. So I thought it was just some guy just trying to gaslight us. But, you know, probably is. I still think it probably is. But we'll, we'll see if he replies again. Strap yourself in. <laughs> Strap yourself into the comment section of this on our YouTube. If you're listening on uh, Spotify and stuff, you're going to have to obviously, after you hear this, you're going to have to jump onto yeah, the YouTube Yeah, there's going to be a YouTube comment war now. Yeah. Back and forth. Yeah. All right, getting in. All right, so we're getting to Mailbag now. Yeah. We're going to actually do Mailbag. We had a sidetrack. Yeah. So you know what I'm going to do now? I'm actually going to, now we're going to say away we go and then we're going to chuck the thing. Yeah. We're going to do that. Okay. That's all right. Away, we, like, take two. 
Away we go! All right, first question here comes from Sage. Title of this email is Too Much Time Spent in Secondary Role Involuntary. Hi, Curtis and Nathan. A question when playing ranked and queuing for mid ADC. To clarify, I always set primary role mid. I get my secondary role in about 40% of queues, which ends up me being ADC in about a third of my games, taking into account teammates letting me switch. It seems to me like I'm involuntary being gimped in my improvement, considering the fact that I only get to play a single three block in a day, and one to two of the games can be wasted not getting champion mastery, losing intensity, etc. For the role, I actually am attempting to main, which is mid. How can I mitigate this and learn from these games, continue improving as a mid lane despite this? I mean, yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal out there, honestly. Remember, um, that? Remember I, I checked your matches for you one day, and then... I see three support games. I'm like, what are you doing, Curtis? <laughs> three block. My three, three block was three support games. <laughs> yeah, look, so what I would say, and this is why nowadays you really have to, you, you actually got to take your secondary role seriously. Um, that's why I made that video on my YouTube about secondary support. So um, I think it's good that you're playing AD carry. AD carry and support are the two best roles for mid laners to play secondary. And so that's fine. But I would start to take it seriously. Well, seriously in the sense that, you know, you don't need to get coaching for your secondary role. But what I would say, it's more... Don't write it off as like, oh, okay, I'm secondary. I don't really need to try as hard. Like, no, you really got to, in a way, develop Champ Mastery on your secondary champ as well. Like, I aim to develop Champ Mastery on my Bard when mm-hmm. I play support. Mm-hmm. And, I re- you know, I, and I'm starting to now, like, actively review. Because now I know what to look for from that video that I made with Cupcake. I'm actually starting to review my support games and actually take my support game seriously. And I never did that in the past. Um, but given, like you said, Sage said, the, you know, how often it, it happens... To get secondary role, um, you just got to do it. And it sucks, but that's the advice I'd give, man. Take it seriously. Have one or two champs in your secondary role that you really try hard. And you're not going to be as good. You don't, you don't need to be to your mid-standard, but you still got to take it pretty seriously. Yeah. yeah I still need to work on my support. Your, yeah, your, your support's shocking. Man. You got to really... Get rid of Braum. You got to watch that cupcake video and just okay. pick up a new champ, honestly. I'm thinking of Nautilus. What do you think? Yeah, Nautilus can work. I think Leona would suit you. I literally was just thinking that. Leona, Leona would make sense. Leona yeah. and Nautilus were good for you. All right, I'm going to practice Leona and Nautilus. All right, speaking of support, we got a question from uh, Misk the Savior of NA. That's his name. What? Misk? Misk. Misk the, Sa- Misk the Savior of NA is his okay. name. The question here is a question from a support main. Hey guys, hope you're doing well. I'm writing to you guys again because with the upcoming off season, I want to get back into the ranked mindset. As stated in the subject, I am a support main and I wanted to know what is the perfect support in your opinion. What do they do? How do they act? I'm in gold and next season my goal is to reach platinum. And I was also wondering if you guys could recommend a support coach. I appreciate you guys taking your time to answer my questions. Uh, Always look forward to the podcast. So sounds like he has not watched my video. Misk, um, all of your all of your questions will be answered in that video. So you type in YouTube Coach Curtis, you go to videos. My most recent video. You look at the one with Cupcake. It covers all the small fundamentals. I learned so much. What did you what are some key takeaways from you, Curtis, from that one? How can you explain about the fog warrior thing? Yeah, so 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 um, support is just three fundamentals. That's all it is. 
Chant mastery actually is not that important. Interesting. And I, it completely rocked my entire worldview. So I thought that in league, you just got to have a lot of chant mastery. No, mm. it definitely, it's a, it's a thing. But if you know the fundamentals of support, like you know those three things, you can actually play whatever. Like it actually does make sense. So, so basically the three fundamentals are waves, wing cons, and fog warring. Fog warring, well, the first one I actually start with waves. So every decision you make in lane, in support, in in bot lane, is in reference to the waves. And what Cupcake, and the Cupcake was the guy I did it with, and he does coaching, and we talk about it in the video, so you can hit him up in the video. But um, waves is like the foundation of every decision. And because the lane is so long, and because of the brushes and everything, everything gets dictated with waves. The waves dictate when, when you should roam, how long you should roam for, um, when you should reset, what sorts of trades you can take. It dictates everything. And 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 when I implemented this active thought towards what's happening with the wave and my intention with waves, it allowed me to replicate good roams. And now I could look back at my old bard games like, oh, wow, yeah, that was a coin flip roam. And that's why I know why that's a bad roam and why my AD carry died here. And like, I could see, okay, why I wasn't able to get a good reset, why I wasn't able to take good trades. Like everything tied back to waves. The second one was fog worrying. So basically that's, and this is something I learned, I learned a metric time from Cupcake is you really want to exert as much pressure as possible on the opponent by staying out of vision whenever you can. You don't want to be ever in a position like, especially kind of post first base where you're making your movements very obvious. So one thing that I direct, like a very pragmatic thing was like positioning on like the top side of the lane. So you're near the river rather than being in the brush. I would always like kind of default to like the brush because I thought that controlling the brush was important, but it's actually they not. they know because they know you're there. Yeah, so if you're on the yeah. top side, you, you can get into the river way sooner and you can just hover out of vision really easily with good quality pinks. So I actually don't know what you're doing. And I implemented this in one of my games and then I versed one of the guys in the MLA and the, bot, the enemy bot lane was just spam and missing. And I was just sitting there in the brush and he had to play scared mid. And I'm like being in two places at once essentially, which is really good. Um, so that's fog worrying. And then the other one was wing con assessment, which is kind of the same as... Um, as every other one, like in mid lane and jungle, but knowing where to direct your attention in mid game, like who is your, like the wing con and where to be and where to roam. It, it, it just helps. And we go on that. So take a look at that video. It's very long, but pay attention. If you get, take time, like actually step through it, like really listen watch to it, it a couple of times, like re- really watch it. Like take yeah. the time to watch it, like sit down, you know, take, you know, mark out like two hours of your day, like really, really watch it. All right. Um, yeah, I don't really have any comments on that. You're the most expert on support, support because yeah. of what you just did with the video. You did like yep. a three-hour conversation. Next question here is from Artem. Title of this email, we've got more off-roll stuff in terms of our podcast, Mid-Jungle. How do you even climb and improve as an ADC? Hello, Nathan Curtis. Thank you for your content. I wish there was something like you for ADC. Um, I'm lucky gnome and I was diamond mid laner, but swapped to ADC and now hard stuck platinum in EU West. I know you're not ADC coaches, but I have no one else to ask. How do you even climb and improve as ADC? Your main narrative is that I should review my games and fix mistakes that I should focus on my first 15 minutes of the game. Specifically, Curtis says that platinum is about learning matchups, but... How can I learn matchups and fix my mistakes when I locked in the lane with an ELO inflated auto field chimp in seven out of 10 games? Holy moly. So we might already have some toxic invisible narratives yep. around our support players. Holy moly. 
seven out of ten games, that would mean that he, the enemy, gets the good support three out of ten games. <laughs> no, no, you mean he gets a good support three out of ten. So he gets a three yeah. good support, and then then the and then the enemy gets a good support seven out of ten. Yeah, yeah. So there, so Riders doesn't like him. Yeah, so so Riders specifically targeting. Yeah, they got him on a list. He's on a list. He's, he's on, on like a big whiteboard. Like he's one of the names there. Artem is the center of the universe. Yep, he's important. Man. Uh, I, I just want. I, I actually have a few things on this one. Nathan. Okay, already. But there's lots more than email. Yeah. Um, but that support video, mm. it's the same for AD Carry okay. minus the fog warring and the wing cons. Okay, you are the wing con, and you're not going to roam. So AD Carry, what I thought, and what I one thing I learned from that a big one was how massive waves are for AD Carries. And what you do with the waves completely changes the game. Now, when I, we spoke about this in the sport view and, and, and then in, when we were going through it, we're saying, what the hell is this Eddie Carey doing? And we were able to see in the video how good, like what a good Eddie Carey looks like in terms of wave management. And, and you can actually see how the waves completely change what you can do. So, Eddie Carry as well isn't about matchups either. That's what I've also learned. Okay, it's about you just pick you just pick a few Eddie Carries. Obviously, micro is a big part of it. Obviously, micro and t- spacing and tethering, but wave management is a huge thing about Eddie Carry because waves allows you to get like really good quality resets, quick tempo resets that you get for free item advantage. Yep, allows you to freeze waves. It allows you to get um, take much much better trades because you have the minion advantage, the brush control. You can harass them on the tail, make them miss CS. There's so many things you could do with waves. Um, and then also, you. and when I was playing my solo queue, I was like, what the hell is this AD carry doing? Now, I can actually critique my AD carry because the biggest thing I saw was AD carry's always just shoving, mindlessly shoving. Just slow build. What are you doing? Even from level one, a bad habit I had, and now I see an AD carry and now I don't have, they... All you need to do is get a slight minion advantage. If you know you're going to get the shove, don't just kill the first three creeps. Like, just kill one of them. Slow or slowly. It, it up. Because then you can stack three ways into a hardcore harassment tower or stack three ways into a tempo reset. Yeah. And that changes the game. If you don't, you can only stack like one and a half or two ways. Then you can't go for a reset and then you can barely poke under tower. Because they can clear and then the, the time is all fucked and you yeah. don't get prior for scuttle. Yeah. It's, it's a shit show. Mm. So it, it waves change everything. Mm. So if I were him, I would go deep on looking at high elo, like looking at Viper, looking at the best AD carries in the world. And I'd look at like what they do with waves. That's what I would do. Okay. And how they position in the lane specifically. Lane positioning and waves. I feel like you could learn that from any challenger on any server, though. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Any yeah. challenger. I don't think it's just pros. Yep. But I think pros know it the best, though. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's like, right. more than average AD carries. That's true. Because that's what they... Yeah. And that also makes almost sense why, like, these high yield AD carries, like, then they reliably climb. It's not just micro. It's, like, waves. Mm. All right, so then he goes on to say, let's say I'm laning with Lulu against melee support. I know that we're supposed to push opponents in the first three levels and get some small advantages. So we don't die to the all-ins later. This is what I see in challenger replays. This is what I'm trying to do. However, in my elo, Lulu won't auto-attack the wave. She won't harass or will do it wrong. She will. She won't shield me. Instead, she will e-auto the opposing support. I'm really trying to get better and fix my mistakes, but I feel like it doesn't matter because ADC is not the one deciding anything during the laning phase. Even in three games where I'll get a good Lulu support, I'm still fucked because I'll automatically play too safely because I'm not used to good players. 
So he knows what to do, but he still won't be able to Seems do it. Seems like a lot of defense mechanisms here. A lot of shifting blame. Yes, I can find myself a duo and climb with him, but you're saying that duoing is bad for improvement, and I completely agree with that. Last season, I duo with a support of my level. We went 18-2 and two and got into Diamond in one week. He played a lot of engaged champions like Leona, Thresh, or Alistar. I played Caitlyn and Misfortune. We just stomped the lane every game because he knew how to play the early game. Then we snowballed the map because I knew the mid-game macro. I've tried to replicate this with random solo queue supports, but it's just impossible to achieve. I really like playing ADC in five-man stacks or with the pre-made support, but I lose my mind playing ADC in solo queue. Sadly, the only thing that matters in LoL is your solo queue rating, not clash wins or flex queue. Help me, please. Well, I think he could definitely step it up and actually type if it's that important. If you know what you're gonna, you want to happen, you know, like type it out. Say, try and get, let's get shelf level one. Let's shove level one, or something like that. And like, he's always by the sounds of things, like he's always acting as though like the enemy bot lane is just better. The enemy support's better, mm. dude. If your support sucks, the enemy support sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just your, your 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 logic is fundamentally flawed. Well, yeah, just think about what you're typing here. It doesn't make sense. It even, doesn't make even sense. Even the sent out of 7 out of 10. It's, that's why we, we, we are sarcastic because it's just so humorous to us, the way that yeah, you're that's why being that. sarcastic and being, we're being a bit of a dick here. Because yeah. it's, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. If, if, you are gen, if you know how to play the waves and your micro is better than your opponent, Eddie Carey, you will win more than you lose. You might lose more in the short term because you're unlucky over 10 games, but over 50 games, over 100 games, you're going to win more than you lose, period. Also, your support not doing what you want. That Welcome to the game. Yeah, it's like, the game. You, you have to adapt. You have, you, like Part of the skill of League of Legends and climbing is adapting to your teammates exactly. messing up. And their tendencies. You've got to adapt to the, how are they playing it. You know, Maybe cause if they're hitting the wave too much, maybe you stop hitting the wave. Maybe if they're not hitting enough, you have to hit more than the wave. Um, maybe they're positioning wrong. You have to adapt your positioning. If he's not going to shield you, maybe you need to stand behind minions. I don't know. There's, I'm sure there are many adaptations you can make. I think what's holding him back is his mindset. Like, hundred oh, percent. He's not. He's not willing to adapt. He's yeah. stuck in his mind. He's like, yeah. I'm going to do this no matter what. And if they don't do what I want, we're just going to lose. Well, the worst thing here is, and this is the danger of duo. And it sounds like he duo with a player that was way high elo mm. to get to diamond. That quickly, or was it done? Well, done might not even because duo. If you if you if you get a if you find like someone you're on the same page with, I okay. think it probably could work in the, in the bot lane. Okay, the fact that you've got that and now you're there. Think about the most easiest excuse you're always going to have is that I am in my <laughs> like like you've actually defaulted yourself. It's it's actually incredibly difficult. That's why yeah. I say people that duo and people that get high elo and then go down. It's almost it's sometimes in recover. Your league experience is ruined. Because it's it's almost irrecoverable in, in to get back to the mindset of like I'm my skill level I'm like on my own journey, and and I found I think I've had to kick someone out of Soul Two I did I think because he he was addicted to duoing and he had so many narratives I said I can't help like you got to see a psychologist to figure out your your relation you know what I mean but like, yeah this is yeah a no, game I feel you. you know what I mean yeah like this is why it's so dangerous like literally. Your yep. gaming experience is gone like yep. it sounds like it's finished for him like I don't think he's this guy's help because because he because he because he, he yeah because in his mind. Like he got to it's, diamond it's, it's, with it's a, a duo. subconscious level. Even if he's aware of it, it's sub, it's, it's subconsciously ingrained. Right yeah, now. he would have to have a significant mindset shift. Yeah, it'll take years. I think it could. It could take years. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it really depends on his personality. We don't know. Like he might. Okay, well, I so I said this to you, Nathan, off camera. I've had someone in the MLA that I thought was irrecoverable. Yeah, like beyond help. Like yeah. done. I thought he was just going to quit in like a month. You know. 
but he became one of my best clients. Amazing. And so that happened. He could be, you know, he could make it a could miraculous. Yeah. I mean, because I've seen it. It can happen because I've seen it. That's great. So who knows? But I think his name's Artem, right? Yeah. Dude, you got to just give you, just, you got to really give yourself a reality check. Um, and the way I want you to view it is this, okay? I know I hate using this analogy, but just for the sake of it, given bot lane, you say, is dictated largely from supports, which that might be, that might be true, but it's the exact same for the animated carry, so remember that. <laughs> um, but the other thing, if you're, are you saying that if a, if a master tier 80 carry went to your rank, they wouldn't get back to master? There's obviously things that you're not doing that you got to do. It's not even just about the lane. Like, if you have good CS and you're like, feel like you'll get, you're like, let's say they're roaming, they're, yeah. they're getting all these kills. Like, you can still be strong and win a team fight when they or, get. Or he, he might be playing with support, like, he support roams and he's like, he like then gets all in and died. Like, and he'll blame his support. He's that sort of AD carry. I can guarantee you. Yeah. He support roams. Even if the roam is bad, whatever, you got to adapt. Sometimes you might have to get, sacrifice four or five away. You might have yeah. to give away. Yeah. It's better than dying. Correct. And then flaming support and then making them play worse. Just say, hey, come back and don't abuse them. Like, he's obviously lacking. He's got a huge fucking ego. That's the biggest thing as well. He's got a huge ego. And he needs to give himself a reality check. And you're right, Nathan. By the sounds of things, he's probably not going to change. Um, I hope he does, though. I hope he does. So right into us, Artem, if you get some improvement. But again, I'm... It, it's rough again going he said he went 18 and two and got diamond in one week just that one beautiful sentence yeah he's trapped yep. he's trapped like honestly yeah. and it's always and the way he's talking about his supports and stuff and like these over exaggerating bad supports and all that it's it's he's got to do what he's got to do therapy for <laughs> league a while league therapy for a while so uh yeah i mean i don't i don't think we can give any actual advice for the adc itself you know apart from I think well i, mean, I think the, the biggest advice is that um as as harsh as it sounds, Artem, you know you're um, you're delusional. We got to fix the mindset first. Well, he's genuinely delusional. delusional yeah, yeah, you're right. It's hard to it's hard to admit, and it's hard to face to come to terms with it's it, man. Tough, tough pill to swallow. It's a, a very tough pill to swallow. And you know, guys, when you write in an email like this, like to us, you know, with all these invisible areas and stuff, you guys got to know we're gonna absolutely tear we're gonna, this we're apart. Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna. You know what I mean? Because we're going to be brutal. And and the reason we're brutal here is because we've seen how damaging and how toxic the game can become mm. for you, not not just for League. It's just for you. The but, impact it will have on you. In your life as in, well. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like yeah. these people will destroy their relationships. These people, we've seen it. So yeah. This is why we're so hard on it. Yeah, because, and, and the thing is, we, we're harsh because they will continue to do this sometimes for years. Mm. I could save someone three years of pain and misery through the game. By just roasting them sometimes. And like telling them that you should actually quit the game. Yeah. Well, the thing with him, we don't know. Like, I think he should have a crack and really, yeah, like, crack, yeah. like, listen to, Maybe try and listen to what a, we're trying to say here. Like, we're really trying to listen. Like, you've got all these invisible narratives. You're, you're not, you're shifting the blame too much. You're not adapting. You're not, you're not adapting to the chaotic nature of solo queue. Um, You've got a big ego. You've got expectations about how good you are. You're not. You you haven't actually accepted that you are that rank of a player. You are that platinum player. You were a platinum eighty carry. That's the thing he has to fundamentally he hasn't accepted. The ranking system is very good at putting players at their skill level. Yep. All right. I think that's it for mailbag today. 
Lots of roastings going on. Yeah, it's a pretty intense session today. We're going to have to cool down here. <laughs> I'm getting angrier by the, by the episode. By the episode. Curtis is going to be... In this time next year, guys, it's going to be unbearable to listen yeah, to yeah, Curtis. You guys got to help yeah, me, we're okay? Gonna kill, we're just going to kill the BBC, honestly. Yeah, we might not survive that no. long. We'll get cancelled by then. Yeah. All right, welcome everyone. That's every- why we don't. Mo- we can't even monetize the BBC because we swear so much into this one. That's why there's no ads. Yeah. Definitely not this episode, let's just say that. <laughs> All right, I was going to say welcome, everyone, but it's actually the end of our episode, yeah. so okay. good work, everyone. Let's good keep work. on improving. Let's keep on fixing our invisible yep. narratives, and we'll see you next time. And, cr- and think critically. And think critically. That's the theme and of that podcast. reflect. And reflect. See you guys later.